Welcome to the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me on today's show is singer, songwriter, and king of Halloween, Nick Lutzko. I'm a big fan of Nick's work, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. At the end of the episode, Nick's going to share with us a live version of one of his songs, but let's begin with the studio version of Sometimes, a track off his 2019 album, Swords. Swinging for the fences, hanging from the moon I cut my tongue on the rust of a silver spoon I bet my billionth bottom dollar on a hopeless case Now the devil on my shoulder has a knife to my face Sometimes the short end of the stick is the sharpest Sometimes the only road to take is the darkest Sometimes all you gotta say is daddy make it go away Sometimes the only way out is as a carcass Let's go. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> cool. Uh, so you just released a uh, the third installment of your Spirit Halloween trilogy, I guess? Yes. <laughs> uh, so how'd that come uh, come into existence for, for people who are familiar with the first two, but yeah. not the third? So, so I, I, I did the first one. Um, like mid September of last year, unsolicited. This is the Spark Notes version. Yeah. Um, and the whole, the whole, I guess, kind of joke about that song was, uh, it's a theme for Spirit Halloween, but really it was more just to ploy for them to pay me for writing. The, the song was about my payment for the theme. Right. So, uh, um, they reach out and they they actually did pay me some money, and they were. <laughs> really cool about it and then they 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 got in touch said they wanted to do another one so then after the the unsolicited uh first entry i did a sequel that they um they paid for like i guess technically they own it and then they reached out early this year and made it pretty clear they wanted to do something again mm -hmm. um this year and and they wanted to like up the stakes they wanted to figure like i think the the language they used was how do we top 
last year. And uh, my response initially was like, if we're going to top last year, I think like we need to get like a significantly bigger crew. And when I say significantly bigger, that's more than me and my little brother who shot it. That was the first one was just me on my cell phone. The second one was me and my little brother uh, in my house. And then for this one, I was proposing like, let's get like, you know, a, a, a crew and a production team that can actually like work on this thing and make it legit and cinematic and all that. And their response was sort of, um, uh, we don't want to lose the weird guy in his basement vibe. Um, which is fair. I, I that it might have also been a we don't want to spend way more money on this. Um, so it just kind of forced me to get creative. And I'd already at that point, I think I'd already kind of had the idea that I wanted to um, set the song as like uh, we're coming out of the apocalypse, and like uh, things will uh, return to normalcy, uh, or not even that. They will. They will. Um, it'll be a utopia because spirit Halloween is back. And that, yeah. that was kind of like the, the gist of what I was pitching to them. Um, and like, like I really didn't know how I was going to be able to, um, shoot an apocalyptic wasteland in my basement or it, it was just, I really dug myself into a hole because I wrote the <laughs> song and I was happy with the song. And then I had no idea how to shoot it. And, um, I reached out to Brielle Garcia who has um, been a follower of mine on Twitter. And uh, it's kind of funny cause she pulled, uh, you know, my own card of me making stuff for spirit Halloween unsolicited. And she started doing like unsolicited Snapchat filters um, for this dumb fake gremlins movie that I made. Um, and so I knew that she was way more technically savvy than I am. So I reached out to her and said, could you help me out with some of these visuals? And I had no clue what I was getting myself into because like she was able to do things that I could have never done in a million years. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. How, yeah. How, how long did that, uh, that take, take you guys to, to film? And cause that it, it seemed, it definitely seems like a larger production than anything yeah. else you've put out for sure. Um, yeah. Well, or, um, I, I shot it all in my garage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my wife shot me in my garage as our baby was like chilling in a playpen in the corner. And uh, it was very, it felt very silly because like I'm, you know, interacting with, supposed to be interacting with this like apocalyptic world, but I'm actually in my garage yeah. and I have no idea if she's going to be able to do the things she says she's going to do. Um, because usually that stuff's done on a green screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, it was, I think it was all done in about a month. I, I, I shot the footage in my garage. I sent it to her and, um, yeah, it, it was, it was insane. The amount of work that she did and how quickly she did it. And I, cool. the, the way she explained it to me is, um, I, I think she uses they like video game engines, maybe okay. like, uh, technology has just really advanced to where people are capable of doing things out of their bedrooms that would have cost millions of dollars and tons of time just a few short years ago. And I guess a lot of people haven't even figured out how to do some of these things. And she's just on the cutting edge. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy that it was, it was, it was only her and I working on it and opposite sides of the country. She's in mm-hmm. Seattle, I believe. And I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So 
um it was a cool project yeah definitely and and i think that um because i was gonna say the first time i i heard your music was like all the super deluxe stuff that you did yeah and the one of i guess one of sort of the benefits of super deluxe kind of disappearing or going away or whatever yeah uh, is is the fact that then you you kind of like you were not just hidden behind the sort of you know the curtain there it was like oh hey this is the dude who did the emo trump songs or the alex jones thing you know it's like yeah exactly because that was the thing i think it and i think that stuff resonated with me because it's like so like i'm 35 so the early mid 2000s were were like high school and at the time i was really into bands like taking back sunday and thrice and thursday and all that and there was this sort of holy shit moment for me where uh it clicked for me that trump's tweets and sort of self-pitying statements were about being unfairly attacked and whatnot really read like the type of uh like the bands that were trying to make music like that, not them, right. but like the weird yeah. knockoff where it's like, Oh man, you're trying too hard. You know? Right, and, exactly. and from yeah. that moment on, like anytime I'd see like something stupid, he said, I'd be like, Oh man, this is like some kid with like a Hawthorne Heights lyrics as their yeah. AOL instant messenger wave thing. If the press would cover I'm glad that that made it into my my uh, timeline because then that that sent me down a uh, bit of a rabbit hole where nice. Then I was checking out your other music that is not comedy, and cool. so I was kind of. Can you kind of tell me like what's so like what's what are some of the differences between like Nick Lutzko, serious singer songwriter, and Nick Lutzko, weird guy in his basement singing about <laughs> Spirit Halloween? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great question that I feel like the lines become a little more blurry all the time, especially as you know, we're planning live shows and it's yeah. like, um, you know, there, there's, it's a smaller set of people, but there are definitely people who, um, were into my stuff before I started doing these sweaty frantic songs on Twitter. And there's a subset of people who are going to come to the show expecting to hear that. And then there's going to be people who are coming essentially only expecting a comedy show. And then there's a lot of people who've reached out to have, similar to you that said i i really enjoyed your comedy stuff and i dove deeper into your other albums and i really enjoy that as well so it's like trying to figure out like how to frame both of these things and i wish i had a better answer i think once we start playing shows um i'll get a better feel for how those two worlds can kind of coexist um uh i i did this uh vulture article they did the premiere of the um the the spirit three song and i said something like uh the the 
the shiny sheen of sweat on my face is like my Spider-Man suit to my Peter Parker. And um, it, it's obviously just a, a dumb joke, but it, it is, it's interesting in that, like, even though I've done albums that are like not comedic whatsoever. Um, and even this goes for my super deluxe stuff as well. I think it all kind of comes from the same place and it, it always comes from like my frustrations with like, the absurdity of, of, of the world. And like, especially the last album I did swords before uh, I started doing these songs on the computer, all of those songs were just like a direct, uh, like almost involuntary response to the Trump administration and the Trump mm -hmm. campaign. And it was all written like 2015 to 2019. And it, it the whole album just kind of has a sense of like, am I the only person that like is seeing what is happening? And is this like, is this a weird like fever dream nightmare or is this reality? Like, and uh, I, I finished doing that album and I really was anxious to like uh, create something that was like fun and happy. And like, I just wanted to do a 180. It's like, okay, I've spent the last few years just really like, uh, hyper focusing on all these things that like just really uh, distress me and bum me out. And it's like, I want to write some fun music. And then 2020 happened and we went into a global <laughs> pandemic and uh, you know, uh, George Floyd happened and it was just all, it was like all these gut punches over and over. And it became abundantly clear that I wasn't going to be able to, like I wasn't capable of sitting down and writing fun, happy, quirky music and um, the one song I did that was non-comedic uh, was called Spineless. And it was just like even darker and than all the stuff from Swords. And it, it's funny because it wasn't until I retroactively looked, looked back and realized that like through the songs on the computer project, like I was able to do what I wanted to do. But it's not like I sat down and I'm like, I'm going to take all these dark, angry feelings and just do the most absurd, silly version of these things like it was just something that like i just instinctively started doing and i never really analyze too much whatever i'm doing in the moment um it's usually other people telling me what they like about it and then i'm like oh yeah that's what i did there it's not there's not a lot of like uh um i don't know analyzation happening as i'm because i because i move so quickly when i when i do them which initially just store, started out of necessity between juggling multiple jobs it, it would be like okay i have a free day this week so i know i need to put something out on this day mm -hmm. and um yeah that essentially became like waking up seeing what like was you know driving me crazy that in that moment or what was going on in the news of that day and writing a song as quickly as i could recording it as quickly as i could shooting a video as quickly as i could and uh, trying to get a video out like that evening so yeah um that was sort of like how this whole thing started. And it's something that I've tried to keep in like the spirit of the project as I've moved forward, because the, 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 the swords album was like, I would spend months and some of them even years on like, you know, rewriting lyrics and re tracking different um, instrumentals and mixing things differently. And, um, and I'm really happy with how that album came out, but I do think there's been a real benefit to realizing that I can kind of go with my first instinct 
and you know still elicit a response from people yeah definitely and it's the interesting thing about like for instance like the because you've made some like really cool videos for for some of the like your your I hate to say serious songs, but like the non-comedies, because yeah, they're that's not necessarily of... like serious, but it's yeah. just like it's right. not making a joke, you know. For like, sure, yeah. The but like the the music video for uh, the song, uh, I think it's sometimes where it's yeah. like it's just this gigantic like production of you know it's like a concert and you have yeah. like your in your band wearing all sorts of costumes. It's yeah, it's an experience in itself, and it's like. I'd love to see that, like, that live. Like, there's a band here in Chicago. Um, oh, God, I'm Mukapaza. That's their name. They're, they're oh. like, a marching band. Oh, wow. They're a marching band that plays, like, regular concerts. Cool. And it's just weird and yeah. over the top. And you, you, that music video reminds me of, like, their live shows, which were always so fun and everything like that. So I'm I'm a fan. Awesome. <laughs> but, yeah it, it's yeah. cool um it's it's kind of funny because yeah we we did that album swords and we had like the big album release party in chattanooga in 2019 october of 2019 that's where we shot all of that video mm-hmm. for some time that basically was just like a highlight from the album release party um like a highlight reel and the plan was to like get that video get our epk and then 2020 like really try to get like a a booking agent and try to like tour and obviously 2020 happened and then none of that happened and then uh songs and the computer stuff happened and now it's in this weird place of like as you mentioned my band before they they were they were called the gimmicks and they it started as like uh, i feel like anytime i try to explain one thing i have to explain 10 other things but basically (laughs) and and when i first started um making albums under my my name um i didn't have a band so i but i did have these hand puppets so i used mm-hmm. like the hand puppets as the backing band for my music video um predator and then when it when i finally did get a band it was like hey what if we tried to like recreate that vibe of having like a puppet band so then we started making like puppet costumes for the bandmates and those kind of just evolved into like creatures over time mm-hmm. but anyways um when we started talking about doing like songs on the computer live, I've kind of built this world and this mythology. And it was like having my band in these weird puppet costumes on top of all the songs and the computer stuff kind of felt like wearing a hat on top of a hat. <laughs> so we're kind of resetting and mm-hmm. uh, approaching the shows from a, from a totally different place, which is just like cosmically hilarious. Cause we spent, years and years and years trying to build to this place where we were ready to go off into the world and see what we could do with it. And then all of it just kind of got knocked down and now we're kind of starting this new thing. So, yeah, well, I mean, that, that's kind of, that, that's kind of the general idea behind this like newsletter that, because in, in June I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to go start doing a newsletter. And and that was, I don't know if that'll be a good decision in the long run. We'll see. Um, and then decided, oh, I should turn this into a podcast because, you know, like one of the things I've been uh, thinking a lot about has just been the way that people had to adapt because of the pandemic and yeah, everything yeah. that changed. All their plans had to had to shift. And, um, you know, the, the first interview I did for this uh, for my newsletter, 
was with um, Will Butler from the band Arcade Fire. And he, oh, wow. was, he was telling me about how he had all these plans because he was releasing a solo album in uh, 2020. And okay. so he, he was planning on like touring in like swing states right before the election. Like it was yeah. a whole whole idea for him. And then he just couldn't do any of it because right. COVID and other bands have tried to figure out different ways to communicate with their audiences or you know, approach things from a different sort of direction. And that's why I'm just really interested in just how people are communicating with, with each other. I mean, because as it is, I mean, the music industry is kind of uh, chaos as it, right. As it is. I mean, I, like I went to school for, um, (laughs) well, uh, at first I went to school for, uh, music performance, classical and jazz guitar. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, and then, but that lasted like a semester before I, <laughs> I, I switched to, I switched to commercial music, but then I switched to oh. music business. So okay. the, the business side, talent management. And then uh, after, after college, I was like, okay, cool. Now to get into the music industry as like, <laughs> they, it was like 2009 and suddenly it's like, oh, everything is just streaming now and everything has changed. And I had, right. a, te- I had a teacher who was convinced that the future of the music industry was ringtones. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I really, really do not know. Right, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, Where did you go to school? I went to, so at first I went to Millican University in Decatur, Illinois. Okay. Um, which is just kind of a small, small school with a decent uh, acting program, which has nothing to do with music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I dropped out and then went to Columbia College here in Chicago and finished finished my degree. So okay, cool. It was it was interesting and like I still like making like little like weird little songs and you know I've got like Logic Pro and a bunch of weird plugins that do all sorts of crazy. Nice. I, I, you know, it's like that stuff is a fun hobby for me, yeah, you know, but yeah. the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh man, I should have gotten a degree in something, anything else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's really funny because just by, you know, it, like I, I have a degree in commercial songwriting from mm-hmm. middle Tennessee university. And, um, it's really funny. Cause a lot of people, I, I just see people in the comments, like, and this is really kind, I'm not saying that this is true, but people will be like, man, it, you can, you can tell that this guy went to school for songwriting. <laughs> and it's like, I learned nothing like, uh, it, 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 and not to knock the school that much. It was, it was the first year of the program when I went there and, um, my major was recording industry and they had three emphasis, um, uh, music, uh, business, which it sounds like you end up getting yours yeah. in and then audio fundamentals, which is, uh, engineering and producing and all that. And then commercial songwriting, commercial songwriting was a new one and it just had songwriting in the name. So I'm like, Oh cool. I want to write songs. I'll do that. But it really was a very underdeveloped program at the time. And it basically was like how to make it as a songwriter in Nashville. So like how to, how to be a pop, how to write for pop country, which I had no interest in. And basically what they taught was like, listen to the radio, find what's hot and repeat repeat enough without getting sued yeah. and they teach you how not to get sued and how to still take those and like and it uh, it just it seemed like they just like juiced all the creativity out of songwriting and it really made me very bitter and i i really I, I had to take a lot of like um secondary classes in music business and audio fundamentals and i th- i gained a ton more from those than i did from the songwriting aspect um 
And I wish I would have explored more of those things because I think that those, uh, uh, the songwriting part always kind of came uh, naturally to me, but yeah. I do think um, uh, I, just learning how to use social me- media as like a, as a way to like connect with your fans was huge. And um, I, the, you know, the, the few classes I took on pro tools opened a lot of doors for mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I, I do everything in my home studio so, um, you know, I, I knock my degree a, a little bit just because like, it's not something that I can hold up this piece of paper and be like, Hey, hire me for my songwriting degree. Yeah. It's like, no, people want to hear your songs and they'll judge whether they should hire you based on like the work you've done. Um, I, I, you know, it's a whole lot of complaining for nothing because things have worked out pretty well. I'm pretty <laughs> happy where I'm at, but I don't know how much of it attributes to my education. Yeah. Well, I mean, same, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's like. All things considered, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, but in hindsight, it's like, man, maybe I should have like taken more writing classes because that's what I'm going to end up doing. And right, right. you know, like I here I am, like I don't know, does a comma belong there? I don't really like. <laughs> like my writing yeah. mistakes are just really stupid, fundamental things that like I should have learned in like eighth grade, but I'm right, just like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, with with guitar performance the the first uh the first major i had it was like cool all right what what do i do with this when i graduate it's like uh you can work on a cruise ship that's that's a job (laughs) and i'm like well wait wait no 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 no. that that, that's funny i actually explored that for a minute and (laughs) i was like I like looked up like what you needed to be able to do to do that. And they were like, you need to be able to play 500 songs. And I was like, yeah, I count all the songs I knew. And it's like, yeah, damn. Uh, yeah. Could have, in another, in another world, I could have been sweating on a cruise ship somewhere. Yeah. Singing my heart out day after day. Yeah. My, well, my, my brother has a degree in musical theater and he was, uh, he had a job for a while on a Disney cruise ship where he played like Peter Pan and Aladdin mm. and all of that. And, like it sounds it, like it sounds cool, but then yeah, at, right. at, then he's like, yeah. And then they put us in these like tiny rooms with like a bunch of us together. I was like, Oh good. So it's like, it's like Titanic. Like yeah, yeah, you're exactly. in like the boiler room. Yeah. Yeah. No windows. Oh, great. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, the more you think about it, the less fun it seems. Yeah. I'm like, wait, this is the best case scenario for this degree. I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'd rather just not. Right. So my, my first, my first, like, pivot away from doing music business stuff to doing more writing stuff was uh an internship at pitchfork which was kind of hilarious because it was it was transcribing interviews with bands that sometimes just they were bad interviews Uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, so i was i was (laughs) one one thing i wanted to ask you about is just the the thing that sort of holds i think songs on the computer all together is just this the the lore of it all that kind of all connects, you know, you have your cast of characters that all, they all kind of like work together. Like where did some of this stuff come from? So it's like, you've got your, you're like grandma, Mel, Dan Bongino, Jeff Bezos, man in the stairs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I was thinking about this other day and I think like the RNC song is what it was kind of the big bang of all of, this you know you can you know it's the first mention of grandma and her basement and man in the stairs and i think back to like writing that song and it was one of the first times i remember very specifically like i had one day to make it i started that morning i posted it that night 
and it was like, okay, the RNC is starting today. Um, I got to do something. And it, I remember like, you know, my studio's here in my basement and uh, behind this wall is like uh, an unfinished nightmare world of a basement. And um, it has a toilet with the messed up American flag hanging behind it. <laughs> it has the creepy stair. Like I, I remember thinking like, here's what I have to work with. Okay. I can work in that. I can, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like almost like using my surroundings as like characters in this song. And as far as like working Dan Bongino in, it could have been anybody, yeah. but his name just was like the funnest to sing. Yeah. It, it was like, and it was really funny too. Cause I remember my buddy and bandmate, John, who I kind of bounce all my ideas off of. Like I pitched him the idea and he was like, I have no idea who Dan Bongino is. And I was like, uh, I think the only reason I know who he is is because Vic Berger was fighting with him at some point. And like, maybe a lot of people won't know who he is, but uh, it obviously was the right choice because it's by far the most popular thing I've done. And he just continues sadly to, uh, <laughs> to be a rising star in the, in the, in the GOP. Yeah. Of Dan Bongino, I mean, I was, I was, so I was working at Media Matters, which is this like progressive yeah. media watchdog group. So, right, we had like we had people there who would do, do nothing except for watch uh, NRA TV all day. Oh, nice! Which yeah. awful. <laughs> I mean, uh, and Dan Bongino came from NRA TV before he yeah. went to Fox News, and the whole thing, like, we just mocked him mercilessly, and he would. Like he blocked a bunch of us on Twitter because yeah, he was like, yeah. it, but then he would, then he would be like, oh, so-and-so blocked me. It's like, yeah. It's right, like, no, right, right. you blocked us. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, there's always been something that's funny about his character because it's just this, he's kind of dumb. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cause like there was one time where he was talking about making lemonade but he had these like lemons Whole that lemons, weren't yeah. peeled yeah, <laughs> yeah, putting right, it in right. a blender it's like what yeah. the fuck are you doing man yeah, yeah um but yeah so i thought i thought that was a that was a hilarious sort of addition but yeah I, it's it's kind of it's kind of a very sort of niche uh yeah you know right <laughs> reference which kind of makes which, it better you know right yeah i think that's how it was received and sadly it's becoming less niche just because he's climbing the ranks at fox news now it seems but yeah. so, so i, I kind of started with that and i think the next i don't know if it was the next one um but one of the next popular ones i did was the spirit halloween theme mm-hmm. and again that was just something like uh that you know i had n- noticed spirit halloween was opening up as everything else was shutting down and it was just something that was kind of stuck in my brain. And I made that theme really quickly again. And um, 
I did that turn towards the end uh, with with Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. and like. It wasn't until like I was editing it, I realized like, oh, I have this picture of this bald, creepy mannequin that kind of looks like Jeff Bezos. And oh, the man in the stairs also kind of looks like Jeff Bezos. And it's like I'm connecting all these dots on the fly and I'm not thinking it through whatsoever. And um, <laughs> Luckily, it's kind of unfolded in a way that's captivated people up until this point. And I just continue to build on it. The, the really tricky part is um, like not writing something that becomes so convoluted that it's just total nonsense to anyone who's listening for the first time. Like I really try to find something that is like, um, I think like uh, Joe Biden's inauguration was a good mm-hmm. example of like, okay, if you've been following me on Twitter, you know why I look like I've been badly beaten. Um, but like, you don't need to know that to enjoy this song like right. that. Uh, and I'll, I'll f- squeeze in a couple lines to like, um, you know, like to keep the story going, but I don't want to make it a full song about how Mel beat my ass and I'm running from a mobster called big pizza and whatever else. Like I like to just kind of sneak those things yeah. in when I can. Um, but yeah, it becomes challenging as the story gets like deeper and more complicated. It's yeah. harder just to sneak in little. It's gonna have to start start mapping it out. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so, so what are what are you uh, what are you working on these days? What's like, <clears throat> you know, any projects? I'm or my time. Well, yeah. <laughs> I am actually. Uh, I don't know how long this will last, but um, my wife just went back to work. We have a four month old mm-hmm. daughter. And, um, three days a week, I am staying at home with her. Um, and I'm having to squeeze like all productivity into Tuesday, Thursday while my mom (laughs) and her mom watch the baby. And so far it's, it's kind of worked out. Like I had three weeks in a row where I was able to like write a full song and post it on Thursday. I did this, I think I did the school board meeting song and then the, uh, the Brendan Fraser song and then the Ernest P. Roll song. I had like a three month or three week run, I think where in like, it's funny because I think having this consolidated amounts of time forces me to be like super productive. Whereas like over the span of a week, I just kind of twiddle my thumbs and wait for inspiration. But like, I do really, I work so much better under pressure and under deadlines and all of those things. But um, anyways, I'm, I'm on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I am, I'm trying to, you know, keep uh developing the songs in the computer saga i think uh the the, i'll have a another collection of songs i'm going to release in a couple months um i uh have some freelance work that i've been doing for netflix um that should be coming out pretty soon um for like their socials like uh Mm -hmm. like promotional work um my, my producer at super deluxe when they shut down he moved to Netflix. And that's kind of how I've from oh, that cool. relationship there, which was, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, which by the way, I just wanted to say this quickly since you mentioned it. Um, my producer, Jason, 
um, who is also Seinfeld 2000 on Twitter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was my producer at super deluxe. And, um, he, uh, I've, I've said this, I've told the story in pretty much every interview I've done. So not to, uh, bore you if you've heard it, but basically I, I, I did an unsolicited theme song for Tim Heidecker and Vic Berger's, um, election specials mm-hmm. and that super deluxe was producing. And then, um, that kind of got the relationship started at super deluxe. And I basically told them like, Hey, I'm attempting to make some kind of a career in music. And if you guys ever need music, like, let me know. And that got a conversation go with me and Jason. And he eventually pitched the emo Trump concept. So I do got to give him credit in that department and that he was like, Hey, uh, Trump's tweets have been especially emo this afternoon. Do you think you could make it like an early 2000s, like emo pop punk song? And like, I had the Tom DeLonge, Tom DeLonge Fender Stratocaster. That was like one of my first guitars and like, Same. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I had that, like I hadn't touched it in like 15 years probably. And I like dusted it off and recorded that song. And like so fast, like I, I remember like, it just felt like, this is my calling. Like everything has been building to this moment. And like, that's what set off that whole path. Yeah. Super deluxe. Um, it's like, bring, yeah, bring yeah. me the seafoam green guitar yeah, with, yeah, with exactly. one pickup. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, it's so funny. I thought that was so like punk rock at the yeah. time. And now it's like, and really it's just like, Oh man, you can't do a lot with this. Can you? <laughs> you can't do anything. Yeah. So, um, uh, but, uh, cool. Yeah. Is there, is there anything, uh, any, anything I've missed, anything you'd like to make sure, you know, I, I put here or tell people or. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there are things that I'm forgetting about. Obviously I'll be in Chicago in April. We are going to be in there uh, October 8th and 9th, which is this weekend. I don't know when this comes out, but, um, uh, yeah, we had to reschedule due to COVID for the 22nd and 23rd. The 23rd, I believe is sold out, but the 22nd has a lot of tickets left, which is, Um, I mean, that's pretty like, because it's at uh, Lincoln Hall now, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's, I mean that's like a decent sized venue too. If you're selling out like the place, like that's it that's was really good. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean we we had two nights at Shuba's, and we sold out both, which was just like you know amazing because like before the pandemic we couldn't even sell out our hometown. Yeah, and it's like to go to another city and sell out two nights in a row was just like mind-blowing and then they move us to the bigger venue and we sell out there and then they want to add a second show and it's like we kind of feel like we could be flying a little too close to the sun here but we're definitely down to (laughs) to give it a try and we've definitely we've sold a decent amount of tickets for that friday night and we have you know months until it's yeah you know we haven't even really promoted it that much like the, the the first two shows sold out within like hours of announcing them so we're hoping to do more shows next year um i did just launch a a patreon um, which is, uh, have been, has been fun. Just, it's just a place for me to dump all the stuff where people are interested in like, not just the character of yeah. like sweaty Nick Let's Go, And they want to know like how I do what I do. And so that's been a cool little community. I started growing just like, I think I posted it or yeah, like less than a week ago and it's, it's had a pretty good nice. start. I'm enjoying yeah, that. That's that, that's like how I, I really like seeing patreon being used like oh here's this like you want cool behind the scenes you want cool like raw like this is just me in my process kind of thing or just yeah. writing things you know straightforward it's like that's uh tim kasher who's in the the band cursive in the good life like he has he has a patreon where he's just like 
here's an alternate take of a song I recorded 15 years ago. And it's just like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's like, this is, this is the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it's, you know, I feel like there's a lot of different ways to use Patreon. Like some people just use it as like a virtual tip jar for Which, people that appreciate, you know, the, the work that they do uh, continuously. And then other people turn it into an in- enterprise Yeah, where it's like, okay, if you want to see anything I do, you got to come like in both or I'm trying to figure out like where this thing is going to, yeah, it's gonna live, but I think it's gonna be more behind the scenes stuff. And we're actually doing um, uh, like I hope I'm technologically uh competent enough to pull this off. But we're just gonna do like a Zoom hangout where I play um some songs because the uh you know the the like I said the Chicago songs shows would have been this weekend, so it's just uh, a way to um. I don't know, give those fans who were looking forward to come see us this weekend to hang out and hear some songs. Cool. That's today's show. Thanks to Nick Lutzko for stopping by. As promised, Nick has shared with us a live acoustic version of his song, Alex Jones Rants as an Indie Folk Song, this version originally appeared on his Patreon, which I will link to at readthepresentage.com. Obama in his